Hey, good morning, everybody. It's Jeff Goldberg. It's Friday. It's 10 a.m. And I'm here for the Sales Pro Network broadcasting live from Long Island, New York. It's a lovely day here and it's going to be a lovely weekend. I hope it's nice where you are, too. Uh, we're almost past the election. I don't know which side you voted for, but whichever one it is, uh, hopefully we get past this soon. Um, as you know, I founded the Sales Pro Network to elevate the profession of sales. It's a place where salespeople, whether you sell as all of your job or even part of your job, can come and ask questions and get coaching from terrific experts like the one we have today. Uh, you can share your challenges and your success stories. And every Friday, we do a live interview with somebody terrific who can add value to salespeople. And today is no exception. And I feel like a broken record, but every week I say I'm so excited to bring you this guest. And I really am super excited to bring you this guest. I know her for 16, maybe 17 years now. I've certainly learned everything I know about networking from this young lady, and it's my pleasure to introduce you all to Ellen Volpe. Good morning, Ellen. Good morning. I'm so excited to be with you again. And I'm happy to be with you, too. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Ellen actually interviewed me for her new TV show, which is on uh, what networks? Tap Into TV, and uh, it airs on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock on uh, cable, channel 61, and uh, Fios 529, I believe the channel is. And it was so much fun, and there's real professional editing and all that stuff. It looks like a professional TV show. But, uh, it is. Today. Uh, first of all, hi, uh, Heidi. Heidi, good, good to see you. Lee Green, Lisa Leviton, good to see you as always. Beth Granger, John Hartnett. Good to see everybody. Good to see people this morning. So let's get right to it. Ellen is an, a networking visionary. Uh, she runs a group called ABA, American Business Associates. And as far as I'm concerned, it's the finest networking group I've ever seen. Uh, Ellen, would you just tell us a little bit about how you got to networking? What did you do before that? Oh, sure. Thanks for asking. Um, it's hard for me to remember having uh, been doing what I'm doing for 33 years. Um, but I did uh, start out in insurance administration and uh, spent quite a bit of uh, time in that industry. And uh, around 1988, um, decided to make a major change. And uh, the rest basically is history. And if I'm correct, ABA was a franchise at the time and you bought into a franchise, but you're the only one now. Is that right? Yes. ABA started as a franchise. And um, a few years after uh, we began, the founder of the franchise left the business because uh, this type of networking was really not well understood and uh, his investment really didn't pay off for him. Of course, it did for me. Um, and if you don't mind, I'll tell the short story of uh, finding out that my grandmother had a network in 1923 in Lower Manhattan. Um, only found that out after I inherited my great aunt when she was 97. And uh, she came with a little box of family artifacts. And in that box was a business directory uh, to my, my surprise. But uh, I think what I do is in my DNA. And that's the, that's the, the beginning. Yeah, I, I, you've actually shown me. I don't suppose you have the book sitting there, do you? I don't, but I'd be happy to share it some other time. Incredible. And, and ABA has been in existence how long? Uh, since 1988. This is our 33rd year. And uh, you, you happen to be in our oldest chapter, which is 33 years old, which is, as I like to say, longer than most marriages last. <laughs> and to me, one of the most amazing things is that... Uh, not only has the group been in existence 33 years, but there are people in that group who've been in it since the beginning. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, our focus on relationships is, uh, you know, just uh, evident. And uh, my business partner in New Jersey, Bob Putt, says that uh, some of you have heard me say this, that ABA is like the Hotel California. You can check out, but you really can never leave. <laughs> so um, what's your definition of networking and, and how does it differ, differ from the traditional give a referral, get a referral philosophy that most groups have? Mm. Uh, it's a really good question. You know, over the years, I think that the um, the definition and the experience has really changed um, in different iterations. And where we are now, obviously, is um, not having the opportunity really to go to new places and meet new people. And I've been talking about really not missing the pile of business cards on my desk um, that I've collected from going to various places and not really connecting on a level that actually energizes those business cards and takes them to another level. Um, I, I do think, again, the pendulum keeps swinging back and forth to business card exchange, to uh, establishing really deep relationships with people that, um, uh, that go on for, uh, for your life, that will follow, follow you through your life. Um, and uh, yesterday at a meeting, it occurred to me that the example of growing asparagus is analogous to um, how networking really uh, d establishes itself and, and does uh, develop these, these deep root roots. If in fact you grow asparagus and you put the seed in the soil and you play with the soil because you haven't seen anything in the first year, basically what you're doing is interfering with the yield over time. And it takes two to three years for uh, the plant to develop. And I just think that that analogy is really um, quite um, uh, analogous to uh, how a network develops and, and what happens. Hmm. I think a lot of people join a networking group and they're expecting miracles. You know. Uh, I'm going to pay my money and I'm going to come to the meetings every two weeks or week or once a month, whatever that group does. And where's my referrals? But, but it takes more than that, doesn't it? Well, I think uh, you're touching on something that uh, impacts a person's experience, which is expectations. Um, I, I recently um, uh, was contacted by somebody who asked me for uh, introductions I don't really have a relationship with this person. And um, I personally, because of the level of experience that I have, um, went, mm, I don't think so. Because without establishing rapport and relationship and allowing the relationship to, uh, to cultivate itself, um, there really is a very transactional uh, component that really is a turnoff. Networking is not selling. And it is really leveraging other people's connections on your own behalf and vice versa. Um, those expectations can really put a person in a very negative headspace about the concept of networking because it is not a transactional experience. Hmm. And, and I think a lot of people come in and they're expecting just to do transactional business there. And, I know one of the things that always annoys me is when somebody ends their brief commercial or their 30 second commercial or their elevator pitch with, and I'd love to do business with all of you. Mm. How, do, how do you avoid that 
Mm. Um, I, I'm not sure that, um, uh, what do you mean, how do, how do you avoid it? How does yeah, a person I, avoid I, that? I, or As a group, you know, not attract people that are just, hey, where's my referrals? I want to do business with you guys. It, mm. That seems to be a prevailing uh, philosophy for many networkers. Yeah. Well, I think depending upon um, where you go, in other words, I, I use the analogy uh, or the, uh, the, the phrase, um, an educated consumer which seems to be out there again, even though uh, I think it's from Cy Sims. Um, but, you know, when you find a group and you should look very carefully about where it is you're going to spend your time, um, those groups that are transactional um, will have that feel. Um, those that aren't, well, uh, you'll have a different experience. And my experience in, in our groups is that if a transactional person comes into the environment, they either learn something and go, oh, wow, there's another way. Um, and this actually feels more comfortable because you're not really pushing a string. You're developing rapport and you're allowing the universe, the energy out there to really be the boomerang. Um, if, in fact, a person doesn't see that, um, then they basically self-select out because they're, they're not getting the traction with other people that you would expect because in particular in our groups, we are not a transactional organization. And uh, I think that it becomes obvious. And you know, having been in one of your groups for 16 years now, I, I, I know the answer to this, but it's not all about coming to the meeting every two weeks, is it? No, uh, it, it really is uh, creating frequency with uh, people um, and uh, to sort of use a BNI um, uh, phrase that know, like, and trust you and continuing to cultivate those relationships. And I'd like to use Doug Rowe from Sir Tillman Ballon as an example, because Doug has been in the group for over 30 years. And you would have to ask yourself, um, he knows everybody and everybody knows him. Why should he continue to bother showing up every two weeks at a meeting? And all I can say to you is, is that I think he's missed five meetings in 30 years because he's got a commitment. Um, he uses the group to actually enhance relationships outside the group by bringing people into the environment and exposing them to 30 or 35 other um, high level professional people who are interested in learning about others. Um, so the environment uh, that you create is really something that uh, comforts you. Um, that uh, gives you connection, in particular now with COVID, very hard to go out and meet new people. Uh, the new people um, that you're meeting basically are coming to you on the arms of other people who see something for you that you can't see for yourself. If you're not in an environment that actually um, uh, encourages that, you're missing tremendous opportunity. Mm. Good morning to Cindy Martin Felden. If anybody has questions for Ellen, please type them in the comments. I'll try to get them as quickly as I can. Uh, but but there, it, it is more than just the meetings. Can you talk about the ABA philosophy of more than the meetings? Uh, what, what, what do you encourage your members to do that is more than just that, uh, that come every two weeks and sit, sit for two hours? I think that uh, it's very important <clears throat> when you're in an environment like this to be very curious and to be generous with your time on behalf of other people learning about them, taking them into consideration, seeing what they're looking for, 
and keeping an open mind in terms of who it is you know that they may want to meet. And the big distinction here really is <clears throat> you can give referrals for direct business, but, and you've heard me say this a lot, having a direct referral for someone who does exactly what they do and finding someone that exactly needs it at the right time is pretty much like getting hit by lightning. Otherwise, the opportunities really come through other people. Michonne um, uh, Fiore, she just recently introduced me to somebody that I think I introduced you to yesterday because I took the time to meet the person. She could be a, a referral source for you and I think you'll have a lot in common. And this idea of making connections that count where you see some type of synergy um, is really where the opportunities um, can come from. And without that curiosity, without giving someone else your time and attention, which is really something we can never get back, but um, we can utilize our social capital on behalf of other people. We need to do more of that today because of the extraordinary circumstances that we all find ourselves in. Mm. Um, I was actually coaching somebody yesterday and uh, we were talking about ways to develop business. And I, as you know, I'm a big fan of networking uh, when it's done well. And we talked about that. And he said, no, networking doesn't really work for me. Mm -hmm. When I del delved a little deeper, I found that he is the type of person that goes to the meeting every two weeks and you know, pays his dues and has his breakfast. And we talked a little bit about uh, the philosophy of opportunity calls. Could you share that? Uh, well, again, <clears throat> it's very simple. It's uh, being proactive. It's taking initiative to um, establish a meeting, uh, to create some frequency around that meeting. Again, I don't want a pile of business cards on my desk. Um, that represent people that have passed by me, handed me their card and have no connection to me and then have taken no interest in making connection to learn and to see whether or not there's some synergies with other people or other ideas or information that might be helpful to me or them. You have to really be generous with your time and I'm not suggesting that we all have the time, but if you create a space during your week to actually do this type of activity, um, I think that it will pay off in, in dividends that, uh, again, that really can't be quantified. Very similar to going to a trade show, meeting someone um, once, and then walking away and expecting a miracle to happen. It doesn't really work that way. Yeah. I met you at a trade show. Why is my phone ringing? Why aren't you calling me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that concept of opportunity calls is something that you taught me. And I know in other groups, they're called one-on-ones. And for those who just aren't familiar, it, it's taking the time to call somebody or send them an email and say, hey, let's get together. Let's get together and get to know each other. I typically go with 45 minutes or an hour. And the way I like to do it, uh, and never discussed it with you, but maybe you, you can tell me if I'm doing it wrong, is I usually like to start out by asking the other person, so tell me about you. Mm -hmm. I want to know about you personally and tell me about your business and tell me mostly how I can help you. And I let the other person talk. And in my personal business, it's really uh, useful because there's almost always a sales challenge and I can offer them some, some great advice, which will help right. them. But for me, and I've been balled out by my coach for saying this, but uh, I'm not going to refer anybody that I don't know well. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and, and it's not about just coming to a meeting every two weeks and doing your brief commercial and maybe laughing at some of my jokes, which I always love, but I've got to get to know you because who am I going to introduce people to? Well, I'm going to introduce them to my prospects and my clients. And after my children and my integrity and my dog, my <laughs> prospects and clients are the most important things in my life. That They're how I feed my children, put them through college. So I'm not introducing anybody who's not going to make me look good. And I, I think that's another philosophy that many people have. Please, I'm going to make an introduction for you, but don't make me look bad. I go in the opposite direction. I expect if I, if I, I know in your case, if I introduce you to somebody that I am going to get a call afterwards saying, wow, thank you for introducing me to Ellen Volpe. She's awesome. And I know for me, when I get an introduction, I'm going to make the person who introduced me look great because I'm going to work very hard to do that. I'm, I'm never going to pressure anybody. I'm going to have a great conversation, leave them with a good feeling. And it, it's, it's that getting to know you part that makes me comfortable introducing people to my prospects and my clients because they're too valuable. Well, I have a, a response to that. I think that there are two sides to that coin. <clears throat> and that's because um, if it's a very strong uh, connection, you're going to use your influence and you're going to protect it. And hopefully the people that you're uh, introducing are uh, going to not only protect their own um, uh, situation by doing the right thing, but also yours. Um, but I mentioned before the universe, and um, I'm sure that you can think of one or two examples where you met someone. Again, it happened yesterday when I introduced you to this other person, um, where all of a sudden you just know that there's some influence that the other person has that is related, and you take the chance. And I just think that uh, given uh, the way we are connecting, people that uh, those situations do come up and you have to use your instincts. You, you, our instincts are, are constantly talking to us. And if you get an instinct, I like to tell people, if you think it, um, don't make judgments. Don't try and uh, figure out whether or not the person is good for another person. Obviously, if you get an inspired thought um, when you are meeting with people, you should pretty much follow the thought. Um, as it relates to, again, making uh, really high level connections to people um, that, um, you know, that sort of um, uh, are speaking to a different situation, of course, you're going to protect your own uh, and you're, you're, you're going to be 100% sure as, as best you can that someone will do the right thing and you'll make that connection. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things that makes you so good at what you do. It, it's, you're way more trusting than I am. You're more loving <laughs> and trusting and I, I'm slightly more cynical. Uh, I, I introduced somebody I met recently to my longest term client just about a week and a half ago, but mm -hmm. there's no way I would have put this gentleman in front of my client, unless I was 100% convinced that I was going to get that call. In fact, I introduced him to you lately, uh, recently, Joe Appleman. Mm -hmm. I introduced him to one of my best clients, uh, and I, I knew that he was going to make me look good. And of course, when I spoke to the client the other day, he goes, wow, thanks so much. This guy's awesome. I may not use you anymore, Jeff, which I wasn't really <laughs> expecting. Of course, we do two different things. But yeah, I I get I get going with your gut, and I often advise people, look, you always know the right thing to do. We just often don't listen to ourselves, but uh, I'm a little more cautious than you are when it comes to that. Uh, yeah. Donald Levine says hello. Jason Kaminsky says hello. Good to have you guys here. Um, besides getting referrals and giving referrals, what are some of the other benefits that a networking organization should provide? 
well, again, that level of connection is, is one. Um, but I think um, I pride myself on the fact that I've been observing the behavior for 33 years. And um, I think that if an organization is uh, providing the environment, uh, that they should provide some level of um, information that makes people smarter about how to benefit by being in the environment. Um, because without that, um, listen, networking, everybody, you don't come out of the womb sort of being a great networker. Although you may grow up in a family where you actually have observed and see um, what the benefits are and you begin to, uh, you know, to experience your network the way perhaps your parents did or do. Um, but without that, there's many, many, many books that people have written. I haven't done mine yet. Um, but um, you can read all the books you want, but unless you're out of the stands and on the field and experience things, experiencing things um, and observing other people, um, you cannot improve your skill set. So, you know, I just say, you know, any group that you're in should not just be uh, all about the leads that you bring into the room. Um, unless, of course, that's your thing. You know, some people... That's all they do. But uh, in my personal opinion, that does not enhance your life because the people, for instance, in your council um, are enhancing every, every person around them is, is a human being, being very human, um, being very authentic and adding another level to what this activity called networking is about. It's, uh, there's so much more to be gained person to person um, that we need so much more of in the world that we live in today, that I like to say, you've heard me say this too, if you're in the right group, in ABA, if you don't have an MBA, you're getting one and you're getting life skills, personal and professional development um, as it relates to building your business and building your life. Yeah, one of the things I, I like is uh, the business intelligence aspect. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. Over the years, you start to trust people. And of course, we have, it's kind of like Vegas, you know, what's discussed in the room stays in the room. But I know uh, I've personally mentioned that, you know, I'm looking to do business with somebody and somebody else said, hey, you're not going to get paid from that person. Mm -hmm. And that's valuable information when you're thinking about a prospect. But as you said, you know, there, there are so many experts. You, know, you mentioned Doug, and I can't say it without saying Doug Rowe. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, he's constantly giving great advice about employment because he's an employment lawyer. And, you know, we've got Carol with marketing and Mitch Tobel with marketing, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Carol with premiums and promotions. And Mitch, Tobel. I mean, everybody in the room is, is an expert at what they do. And I'm constantly learning new things. And I, I, I don't think we should ever underestimate the other thing that you said, especially right now, uh, that sense of community. We're, we're all so isolated that I find it comforting every two weeks to get on a Zoom call. You know, one day I'm sure we'll be back together in person, but mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But it's comforting for me to get on with my, uh, I don't want to be cliche, but these people are my friends. Right. Uh, you know, many of them, like real friends that I'll hang out with, not just business friends. Uh, right. And it, I find that that's a useful thing in the time when everybody's so separated. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. It's, says she has an ABA, MBA, woohoo. <laughs> who? who is that? I'm Beth. sorry. Oh, Beth. Beth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I can't see who's actually on the call, but uh, 
uh, I'm just uh, so uh, pleased that so many people uh, that know I can trust us are here with us today. Yeah. Um, how, how does somebody know if they're in the right group? I, I, as you know, I've spoken at a ton of, I've probably spoken at 50% of the networking groups uh, on Long Island because I get invited a lot because people know I'll give some sales tips and I'm a good guest to bring. Yours is the only group I've ever joined. Um, but, you know, I, I walk it. But actually, there's one other I was going to join at one point, but they didn't want to have me because they don't want it. If you're in another group, you can't be in it. Right. But it I, I had the same sense of ABA when I was there, but I've gone to a lot where I just feel I've never joined this group. So coming from the other side, how, how can somebody recognize when they're in the right group, not just at ABA, but at any networking group? Yeah, I don't, you know, it's an interesting question um, because so much of, um, of our judgment is sort of, um, you know, we're observing people and we're looking around and comparing ourselves and listening uh, to what people are saying, um, terrible, but how they're dressed, what they look like. It's, you know, there's a, a tremendous amount. We're, we're just judging machines. Um, but it really is about the quality of the conversation in the room, um, who's leading it, um, how, how, that, uh, how that's feeling. Uh, some groups are just out of control. There's really no leadership and there's, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to be in the room. Um, but, um, you know, my, my experience is only with ABA and with our wonderful facilitators. We have groups uh, in New Jersey with Bob Putt. Um, uh, we have um, Bob Middleman, Beth Granger, Joe Giametta, Jean Brown. Um, all these people have been members. And so um, for us, they are carrying the torch of the culture, which really is a spirit in our organization that is pretty much palpable when you come in the room. And um, I'm not saying that because, um, because it's ABA, I'm saying it because people come all the time and they're constantly impressed with the quality and the caliber of the people. And if you don't feel like that, if, you're, if you go into a room and it just doesn't seem that way, obviously, it's probably not gonna be something that you're gonna be interested in joining uh, or maybe visiting, but not uh, making a major commitment to. So, you know, I wish that there was, um, you know, there were three things that you should look for, uh, but uh, basically it's your instincts and your observations, I think that really help you make decisions like that. Yeah, we're not here to promote ABA today, but uh, I can tell you, and I know you know this for a fact, that, that so many times people come and they'll say at the end of the meeting, wow, I've been to a lot of networking groups, but I've never seen anything like this because there, there is a palpable feeling in, mm -hmm. in the room. And uh, I, I'm often you know, coaching my clients, whether it's an organization or an individual uh, coachee uh, on networking, and I'm really just passing on everything you've ever shared with me. And I, you know, I've heard way more than once, uh, well, I'll say, well, Tell me about the group you're in and how long you've been in it. Well, I've been in it two and a half years. Are you getting any referrals? No, not one. Well, mm -hmm. I, I know you're not about transactions, but if you've been in a group for two and a half years, you're in the wrong group if you haven't gotten any referrals, because while all the other stuff is important, we are there to develop each other's business. So that's certainly one thing I would look for. If you're not connecting yeah. with people and giving and getting business, then you're in the wrong group. Well, I'd like to respond to that because sometimes it's not the group. Sometimes it's the person who doesn't have a focus, isn't articulating their needs, um, and is not really participating in a way that, that works. Um, you know, uh, it might have been um, Ivan Meisner, I think, 
maybe he's the giver's get guy. I, I'm not really sure. I can't remember. But, um, you know, that adage um, is a really um, important one because it's not that I'm giving you something and I'm waiting for you to give it back to me. And I know seasoned people actually understand this. Um, if in fact um, you're not participating and you're not using your own social capital to benefit other people in the group in some way, shape or form, and you don't really understand yourself what you're looking for. And this happens a lot, you know, because you look at yourself as a category, not necessarily as somebody that is offering value and not being able to articulate the value is really a showstopper for most people to actually get referrals from other people. So I just wanna caution that it's not necessarily the group. If you go from group to group because you're not getting something, you really need to look um, inside to ask yourself, what is it that I could do differently so that I can get more out of my environment? And it's a big deal. And I know that you and I have spoken about value recently because it is something that is getting overlooked in particular in the environment that we are now. Right now, there are people that are either incredibly busy, their business is exploding, they have capacity problems, or they have no business and they have capacity problems. And without stepping back to ask what's possible now, what value can I bring to the external environment? How can I articulate that? You're missing an opportunity to respond to what's happening now, which is not what was happening in February. Everything, the game's changed. And if you're not taking all of that into consideration in terms of what you're saying to your network or how you're leveraging the network, you're missing the boat. I think people need to realize, uh, and I, I struggle with this sometimes because I, look, I want to give referrals to everybody in the group because I love them all and I want to help their businesses. And I, I hope they want to help mine too, but I'm not always able to, but I know you're very big on, if maybe it's making an introduction for two people that may not do direct business, but might be able to help each other in some other way. Oh, I think that, uh, so the banding word today is weak ties. Um, and those are uh, those people that really on the surface don't look like they have any connection to you. Um, but in fact, who they know, if again, if they're curious and they're interested in meeting with you can really lead to some extraordinary business. But you have to wanna take the time uh, to do that type of uh, connecting, but it, it is spending your social capital. If you've met someone over the last uh, two to three weeks and you haven't asked yourself who else can meet this person, who else would be interested in meeting this person and you haven't furthered that relationship, the energy is a drain, it's over. It doesn't go anywhere. And, it, and, and whatever the universe had in mind at that moment in terms of introducing you to that person is just flat. It's a missed opportunity. And so um, this idea of furthering uh, the connection and looking uh, outward is a really, really important concept that I think sometimes, again, just gets overlooked. Got it. Our friend Dennis Lombardi is, hello, Dennis. He's here and he says, uh, 
in regards to it might be you, not the group. Uh, that reminds me, if you think everyone around you are a-holes, maybe you're the a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's a technical term today, isn't it? <laughs> I guess so. Um, I know one of the things that you, you've impressed upon me, and I'm not always good about doing it. Uh, in fact, I, I don't do it nearly often enough, is making specific requests. Why is that so important? Mm. Um, you know, you can use, uh, uh, you know, go to, go to uh, you know, an art store and, and pick up the most beautiful set of colored pencils. You know, we all as kids love to get uh, the new crayons and, and looked at the colors and couldn't wait to use them. A big box, uh, 64. I love that uh, one. Yeah. Um, the other analogy uh, at that time, and maybe uh, I'm dating myself, but I used to love to write with a number three pencil. I loved that it was not dark and I, there was just something about having one of those that I felt really special. Um, you know, the more illustration you can give to um, the information that you're looking for, the more colorful it is, the, the more storyline you give. How did you help a company? Um, how much did you save them? What did they look like? Um, all of that uh, specificity, whether it's a specific company that you make a request around, do you know anybody at uh, Estee Lauder, or um, the more illustration you can give to an example of somebody or something or the demographic that you're looking for, the more the brain of another person actually can engage with it. And without that engagement, um, if you just say my demographic is two to 10 million and I, you know, whatever that blah, blah is, um, most brains are not going to connect to it. And so that specificity is really, really important. The, the other thing uh, to sort of bring into the mix and um, uh, just recently, Beth Granger, who is uh, our, uh, our uh, uh, youngest facilitator and LinkedIn, LinkedIn expert has brought to our room uh, how to use LinkedIn one-to-one -to, -one to actually examine somebody else's connection, specifically in specific categories, let's just say accountants. If you have two or 3,000 connections in your LinkedIn, and I ask you, can you introduce me to an accountant? the chance of my brain actually even being able to go into my own LinkedIn and saying, oh, I have these six for you is slim to none. So using the tools and focusing in on the specificity that would help you would really give you an edge when you go to meet with someone that you know to sort of bring this information that is much more specific to the conversation so that a connection can be made. And whether or not um, you know the accountant or not, I'm still going to use, um, if you give me your permission to reach out to someone, even if you've said, I don't really know the person, I can now go back to them and say, I noticed that you are connected to Jeff Goldberg and they're going to go, who's he? And I'm going to remind them of who you are. And I'm going to find out whether or not we can have a brief conversation so that we can learn about each other and see what's possible. So this idea of specificity, less is more guys, less is more. Really, really important to take the time to do the research. Yeah, uh, I, I, I know that for a long time, I, I, I was not specific enough and, uh, because the fact is, uh, well, 
Nowadays, I'm focusing more on individual coaching one-on-one with salespeople. But when I was doing a lot of corporate training, it was uh, any company that has salespeople other than retail is a good lead for me. Well, that's true, but it's not specific enough because people can't wrap their mind around, oh, I can refer Jeff to any company in the world. Mm-hmm. But when I say, well, I've done a lot of work with companies that sell advertising, that makes it easier for them. Or I've done a lot of work with companies that are, uh, with banks, with companies that sell insurance. I think that makes it easier for them. I can still remember, and I don't know if you will, but uh, if you remember our friend Stuart Chaplin, I still remember he came in one day with a list of like a hundred different companies and stood up at the podium and went through them one by one. And I'm pretty sure he walked out with 30 leads, 30 people who knew somebody that they could make an introduction for. And I, 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 I am beating myself senseless right now that I don't come every two weeks with a list. For a while, I was. I, I made it my business to come with five names every time. And each time I would walk out with at least a couple because, like you said earlier, it, it's not about selling to each other in the group. It, it's the 30 or 35 people that show up each week. I consider them my extended sales force. And and while I, I don't expect them to be sitting on every sales call they go on or in every conversation with their clients to be thinking, how can I help Jeff Goldberg? I do hope they're listening for, oh, we've got a sales issue. Let me introduce you to my friend, Jeff Goldberg. He helps companies get measurable and sustainable sales increases. Uh, so it, it's the more specific we can be, uh, the more it helps people with their, their mental Rolodex. It's also the repetition of that message. Um, it's not, it's not um, you know, I think about ABA, you know, <laughs> nothing material has changed in 33 years. This is not rocket science. But the reminder and the repetition of what's possible is really what is the most important, um, I think, aspect of, of, for any of us. It's the repetition of that. Um, I wanted to ask you a question in terms of the individual coaching, because I believe that um, whether it's life coaching or financial coaching or network coaching or, uh, you know, uh, uh, training, uh, physical training, I believe that uh, that uh, you know when coaching first showed up on the radar, um, I can't remember what year it was, but it became the rage. Um, and um, there were a lot of naysayers. Why do I need that? I'm you know it's not for me, and uh, I don't need it. Um, I know that um, in terms of today, the lack of focus that we all struggle with because of personally because of the technology is really keeping people from actually achieving their goals. And so I'm interested um, to turn the table for a minute to ask you what that individual coaching means in your world. Hmm. That is a great question. So um, you know me a long time and uh, you, you, you know almost every secret that I have and you certainly know my inner workings and you know I love- Mum's the word, Jeff. <laughs> well, I trust you implicitly. Um, <laughs> But you know, I love to be in front of an audience. You know, I'm a frustrated stand-up comedian. And hello to Greg Kettner, who just said hello from Walla Walla, Washington, who is a stand-up comedian, but more importantly, a sales and humor coach. And he's great. He was our guest a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's while I love the audience, like like Wednesday, I was in New Jersey in front of 20 people. And, you know, I get to be funny and give them some great information and help them. But the truth is that sales training doesn't really do much. Um, it, it, I, I'm really good at it, uh, and I'm, uh, uh, you know, I, I always say it's not bragging if it's true. I, I may not be the best in the world, but I'm far from the worst. I'm, I'm very committed to helping people, but 
spending a day with me to learn how to prospect or how to sell or anything, it's not going to do a heck of a lot for you because it's the reinforcement, right. the ongoing coaching from either their manager or somebody like me or Greg Kettner or Beth Granger when it comes to LinkedIn uh, th that really makes the difference because we once figured it out that in a, in a day of my prospecting training, professional prospecting, people learn 132 different things in a seven-hour period, mm -hmm. 132. You can't possibly remember 100, even though you're taking notes in a workbook that I provide, mm -hmm. you can't remember all that stuff and implement it. You've got to be constantly reminded and constantly helped because people try things and they fail or they work and they need that reinforcement. So the one-on-one -on -one coaching that I'm doing and really focused on now makes a much bigger difference in people's lives. And, you know, my coach, well, one of my two coaches right now, uh, asked me recently, you know, what is it that you're committed to? Why do you do what you do? And it's, I'm truly committed to making a difference in salespeople's lives. And, and that's, be, I'm not saying this to be altruistic, by the way, I, I do love making it, I love getting paid for what I do, but I do love making a difference in people's lives. And that's because I know that when I help a salesperson be better at their job, I'm helping them feed themselves and their family. Mm -hmm. I'm helping their whole company. And I take that very seriously, and it may sound, you know, a little wacky, but I really get a huge kick out of that when somebody sends me an email or calls me and says, I tried that thing and it worked, and I closed a deal or I got a promotion. I love that. So that's one reason why I think the coaching is so important. Another one is we all need someone who can look outside ourselves. And well, I love the thought of the phrase, think outside the box. I don't believe for most people it's possible. We're just not kidding. Steve Jobs, out of the box thinker. Jeff Goldberg, not so much. Uh, you know, everything I share is an amalgamation of everything I've learned over my last 47 and a half years in sales. All the exactly. books I've read and the seminars I've gone to and the people I've listened to and the companies that I've worked at. Mm -hmm. and, and so I can think outside somebody else's box just like they can think outside mine. So having a coach gives you an opportunity to see things in a different way and learn things that you wouldn't otherwise think. And I think the last thing, which is so, uh, so important, and I actually had an argument with another coach about this recently because he disagreed. I think it's the accountability factor. Mm. Uh, having somebody that you have to report to and say, make promises to, I think is crucial because left to our own devices, and I, look, I'm a pretty determined guy and uh, I have a, uh, I'm a visual learner. I have signs hanging all over my office. And one of them says, you know, uh, my will is unshakable and my word is law. Now, that's a great thought, except I know it's not always true. Mm -hmm. uh, but having somebody else to make promises to, I'd rather break my arm than break my word. No kidding. I don't want to physically break my arm, but that's how important my integrity is to me. So when somebody makes a promise to me and knows that in two weeks they're going to get on another call and I'm going to ask them about it, I think sometimes that's all that people need to do the thing that they said they were going to do, whereas otherwise they might not have. And, you know, the perfect example is prospecting. Who wants to prospect? I don't. I, I love teaching it, but you know, I hate to, I, I love teaching cold calling. I'd rather live in my car than ever have to pick up the phone and do it again. I do it once a month, just for a half an hour, just to make sure that what I'm teaching people still works. But I hate doing it. I'd much rather, it's why I've learned, worked hard to learn so much from you. So it's that accountability factor that I think is, in fact, you probably remember you and I were in a group together. I formed a group, geez, I don't remember how long ago with you and me and three other business people that we both know and respect. And it was called the accountability group tag. And all we did was every Monday morning at 7 a.m., the five of us would get on a phone call this was way before Zoom. And we each had five minutes to simply make promises 
and then the following week report back on what we did. Did we keep our word or didn't we? And I urge all of you who are watching this video, whether it's live or later on, get with somebody like that. Whether you hire a coach, you just have somebody in your life or you form a group like Ellen and I did. Because I can tell you, there were many, many weeks where it was Monday morning at 6 a.m. and I'd be, oh, geez, I got to get on the phone with these guys in an hour. And I said I would make 10 cold calls and I didn't. And at 6 a.m., I would make 10 cold calls just so I could report back that I kept my word. So the accountability piece can't be uh, underestimated. So the accountability, the thinking outside somebody else's box and giving them information that they truly need to be more successful. That's why I'm so focused on the coaching these days. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the accountability is a, um, uh, is a, is a major piece for uh, most people. And uh, anybody that has you as a coach um, can uh, really probably attest to the fact that you hold them uh, to their word. And uh, those, those create the results. I just want to make one comment um, about prospecting and cold calling, because I know that um, some, people, um, uh, some people are fortunate that uh, nearly all the business that they generate comes from their network. And depending upon how strong uh, you've developed a network um, and uh, what your actual, uh, what can I say, what your your numbers are, what you're what you're looking to accomplish, uh, is uh, it is possible that your network um, will be your prospecting opportunities, and that your network will feed you the referrals that you actually need, uh, depending upon, again, all those components that uh, really you need to put into the soil in order to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. and one more thing about that accountability piece. Uh, I always tell people when they're speaking to me about possibly becoming my client that there's mm-hmm. two kinds of coaches. There's, there's the coach that's going to put their arms around you, tell you everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And there's the coach that's going to kick you in the rear end when you need it. I'm the second one. Not that I'm nasty about it, but I, I tell people before they give me any of their money, look, I'm going to hold you accountable. You're going to make promises to me and I'm going to check up on that stuff. And if you break two promises to me, I'm firing you. Mm-hmm. Not your money back if you paid me in advance, which you do. And because uh, if you're not serious about this, why would you want to do this? I don't work for 10 bucks a month. That's for sure. I'm not a million bucks a month, but whatever you're paying somebody, why invest the money if it's not going to be working for you? So I, I want to move on. We're, we're as usual, running out of time. We've only got about 14 minutes left. I've got 75 more questions for you. But how can somebody, um, how does how does one be refer, be referable? And, and what can salespeople do to increase the likelihood of getting referrals? Hmm. I think that's pretty simple. Uh, say please, say thank you, do what you say, follow up. It's not really, again, this isn't rocket science. Um, the, the, if people um, recognize uh, that you are uh, that that you have integrity, that you do what you say, um, and that you can be trusted. Um, you can get referrals all day long. Uh, I can think of Ben Markham. Um, you know, Ben is uh, is uh, an insurance professional um, that I've watched develop over the last, I think, six or seven years. And um, there isn't anybody that doesn't find um, it very easy to refer him business. Um, a, he saves people money, but B, more importantly, he's really a, a trusted advisor, somebody that can actually do what he says and does it quickly, um, completely, and he makes people look good. 
So it's not really, again, this isn't um, building a rocket ship. This is really a very simple uh, concepts that some people find hard to grasp. Yes, ben, ben is the perfect example. He came in as a, a, a kid with no experience uh, because his, his now partner was a member and had really backed off and let Ben be there. And, and he just came in and took to it like, uh, like a dog takes to, to like like my dog takes to his food as soon as I put it down every day. White on rice. He ate, ate it up, and, and he's so eminently look. Uh, you know when you refer Ben that he's gonna make you look good because yeah. he cares. He he follows up immediately, mm. and, and everybody loves the guy because he he truly he truly cares. It has come from, and you can't see, but I'm pointing to my ample gut right now. His come from is I'm here to serve, and that's what all salespeople should be doing. And in networking, that's what we should be doing when we're when we get a referral. We better serve the person that we've been referred to, and serve the person that gave us the referral. Yeah. And that brings up another topic. Um, and you and I have kind of gone back and forth on this many times. Mm. Um, sometimes somebody says, you yeah, I've got a referral for you. And of course, you know, everybody's always appreciative. Who doesn't want a referral if it's done properly? Mm. But the referral doesn't happen. Mm. And I know you have a different philosophy than I do. Could you just share your philosophy when somebody says they've got a referral for you, but it doesn't develop? What should they be doing? Oh, well, listen, to me, um, understanding the current environment and whether it's today with COVID and the, the election and, um, you know, the, the, uh, just the stressors lately, people out of work, people, as I said, either at their capacity because they're so busy or under, under capacity because they have nothing. Um, they have their children at home. They have their parents at home. Um, a spouse might be not working. Uh, they're homeschooling. Um, you know, uh, empathy and uh, understanding the environment and what people are going through is an incredibly important point to actually understand today. Because I don't have to go too far off my desk to see that I have promised people things probably two weeks ago that I haven't gotten to yet. And that two week period creates a question, well, how come she didn't do it yet? The expectation of immediate gratification is a dangerous place or a dangerous concept to hold on to. If somebody said they had something for you and you don't get it, there's nothing wrong with reaching back and saying, you know, two weeks ago, we, we spoke about this possibility and I haven't heard from you. And I just would like to remind you that would be very important for me. And uh, if something's changed, I understand. Um, but if in fact it's still viable, <clears throat> I would appreciate um, if uh, knowing whether or not it is or it isn't. So, um, you know, just want to let you know that it would be really important for me. <clears throat> Nothing wrong with that. We, we really, um, we sometimes forget that the communication is a two-way street. And sometimes people need to be reminded gently. Um, because again, we don't know what's going on in, in people's lives. I knew somebody whose wife died. And the expectation was, well, where is this information? What's up with that person? Um, that's no way to be in the world that we live in. We really need to understand where people are coming from, what their world is looking like today. And again, uh, having uh, empathy, understanding, and putting an expectation that is appropriate when uh, when someone has uh, 
offered something that they haven't really come across with. I was laughing just because I often get funny thoughts in my head and uh, I, I could hear myself saying to somebody, hey, where's that lead you promised me? Your wife will still be dead tomorrow, which of course I would never do, but <laughs> you know, uh, I, I know that's a great lesson, Ellen, because you know, I, I always expect people to be me and I, I try to do the right thing. And I know when I'm gonna give a referral, I do it immediately because A, I want the person to have it. I, I wouldn't make the introduction if I didn't want to. And I know that I don't want to get bogged down with the 50 million things that I've got to do today because I want to keep my word. But it, that empathy that you're talking about is so crucial. And to realize not everybody is you. And I, I think you're right. That gentle reminder, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. If I forget, I want you to cover my back. I, I don't want you to be talking behind my back to somebody that said she said she would, but she didn't. Um, that's the last thing I want to see happen, which, by the way, if you're networking with the right people, they will cover your back. If something goes wrong or they get some feedback that isn't consistent with who they know you are, they're going to go and say, Jeff, I, I heard this, but it, it can't be. And then you're going to say to me, oh, my God, I just forgot completely about that. Um, we need to give people space to be human, because that's what this is all about. It's about authenticity. It's about connection. It's about helping other people. Um, you know, the Adam Grant book, Give and Take, everybody should be reading it because, um, you know, there's a lot of people that give, 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 they get nothing. And then they come and they say networking, it just sucks. It doesn't work. Well, again, it's not working because they're not preparing themselves for the other side of, the giving, which is asking. And this is a whole other topic that we can talk about from now till kingdom come, because we really have not been given the skill set of how to listen well and how to ask appropriately. I think the, the flip side of the uh, somebody saying they'll give you a referral is also important. In fact, it may even be more important. Um, when somebody does make an introduction for you, it, I think it's imperative that they follow up right away. If I, you know, if I introduce you to somebody via email or phone, uh, I, I look bad if you don't actually make that call or make that uh, that outreach. So it, it, I think it always boils down to let's make each other look good. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, though. Um, you know, when when you make an introduction, in particular today. You know, I met someone and, you know, me, my, my, uh, I picked up my pen and there must have been 15 names that I could have connected this person to. Um, I, the person is not a member, uh, number one. Number two, um, I knew that if I started making those connections because they were too numerous, that that person was never going to follow up or could not follow up in a timely manner. So I just said to that person, I have these connections for you when you are ready you should let me know because I'm not going to spend my social capital making a connection to somebody that doesn't have the time to give the attention to, to make those, uh, those, uh, you know, those connections a reality. Um, <clears throat> I think that today it's really important that, um, that sometimes you ask yourself the question, should I ask the person that I want to connect whether or not this is going to be a good connection or should I use my instinct and just do it? And I think that that's a nuance as well, because if it's a connection that's sort of out there and not really, um, you know, you're not getting like a high, uh, you know, vibe, 
you might want to ask the question. This I met this person, and I'm just wondering whether or not you want to take the time. I'm always fascinated by that because uh, our friend Labe, Labe Roberts, uh, he's often he'll, he's a great connector, an ama amazingly generous networker. Uh, what a, what a great find! Mm -hmm. And, and uh, he's often sending me emails. You know, I met this person. Would you like to meet them? And I'm like. Brother, you know, I trust you. If you think I should meet somebody, it's like you never have to ask me, Alan. If you think I should meet somebody, I just want to meet them. Right. Nelson Tepfer did the same thing uh, just yesterday or the day before. Jeff, would you like to meet this person? I think it could be a good man. Yeah, of course I want to meet them. But yeah, uh, it, it, it's worth asking. We've only got a couple of minutes left. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Um, how do you network, Alan? Yeah. <laughs> That's very overwhelming for me um, because uh, I talk about capacity. You know, I we were talking before about um, loving that the weekend is coming so that we could get work done. Um, and I think that uh, for everybody, it's uh, in particular those of us that are working from home, um, there are no guardrails. And I think that um, my networking is being impacted by the fact that I'm always being introduced and I always want to meet new people, but my whole world is not just business development. My world is serving our members and meeting with our members that um, they can fine tune what they're doing so I can give some of this sound advice to them so they can perhaps adjust uh, to uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the new ways. Um, so, you know, uh, all I can say is that I'm fortunate that uh, having been doing this for so long, I'm always being introduced to people. Um, our, our members are always bringing interesting people to our group so that we're exponentially uh, connecting and uh, and introducing those people to really um, groups of people that are interested in meeting them, and I'm I'm no different really. I I'm fortunate that my business grows from referral and our our groups are growing. We've established uh, several new groups over these last couple of months because people need connection. Um, People are, um, are tired, really, of, of not having connection with the right people. So we build personal groups for people around their own social capital so that they can create the, um, the um, frequency that they need in order for those relationships that they have to actually get roots and to be uh, productive for them. I don't know if that answered the question, but... It did. And the other question I was going to ask, and we really only have two minutes, but maybe we'll go a minute or two over because I think this one's so important. Mm -hmm. Trying to choose a question, but why is it important that people bring guests? Hmm. Um, I should turn the table on the question and ask you that, um, having been having first brought people. But, um, you know, influence is a funny thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think of Carol Krugley. Car Carol uh, has brought people um, over the years. Um, Devin Kulka is uh, one of our members that Carol met. Carol met him uh, the night before and uh, recognized that, uh, that he could benefit by being brought into the room. And so many people, not only Devin, um, have benefited by his presence in our room. Uh, he's uh, involved with leukemia lymphoma. I, I happen to be a board member. Many people know that my granddaughter 
had leukemia and um, is recovered. And uh, that's some organization uh, just to sort of give it a pitch. But uh, Devin and uh, Jesse Giordano, uh, both uh, ABA members have had extraordinary um, impact on that whole organization. Um, you know, it started with Carol um, bringing him into the room and, and he saw something for himself that basically now is impacting many, many, many people. So who you bring, where you bring them is, is something again, that cannot be quantified. It's, there's no way to quantify his participation in ABA, not only because of the impact that he's had on other people, but how the other people have impacted him. And so anybody that you know, um, it, whether it's an ABA council or not, is somebody that you should take under your wing by the hand and expand their circle of influence and bring them into different nodes that really have those weak ties that I was speaking to that can create opportunities in places that just cannot be seen. And it goes along with one of my favorite phrases, which is, you never know. You just <laughs> never know. I mean, Devin's a perfect example. He's such a great young man, so inspirational. Uh, another one, I can't remember who brought him, but Michael Halperin. I mean, what, what an amazing guy, not just good at his business, but so giving and charitable. I mean, uh, and, and constantly looking to help people. So yeah, I've heard it from you. Guests are gold. And it's absolutely true. So, so we're almost a minute and a half over. So I'm going to wrap up. Um, Ellen, if somebody was interested in working with you on uh, networking or uh, maybe interested in ABA, how would they reach out and find you? Uh, ABA-NY.com or you. <laughs> um, always happy uh, to speak with people, um, invite them uh, to a meeting so they can experience our spirit and uh, meet the quality and the caliber of the people that, uh, that, that hang around with us. And uh, tune in uh, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning to see Shannon Boyle, uh, New Ground. Uh, New Ground uh, is helping families, uh, homeless families and veterans. Uh, their gala is coming up and it would be remiss for me not to point out that organization because of the things that they're doing for people who are looking to raise themselves and um, and she's just doing extraordinary work. So just a plug. Yep. And would you like to give out an email address or a phone number? Uh, for me, Ellen, yep. Ellen at aba-ny.com. And thank you so much. I just... Uh, love our ability to have these dialogues and just to enlighten other people. And uh, I just hope everybody has a great weekend. Yeah, thank you too, Ellen. Yeah, I, you already know that I adore you. Uh, I have learned everything I know about networking from you and you've made the hugest difference in my business and my life. And uh, I owe you for that. And thank you to everybody as always for tuning in. And as I always end, remember that sales is a game of making things happen. Get out there and make sales happen. Bye everyone.